0: Welcome to Lose Yourself with Dr. Mike Cunningham, Bible teacher and church planter in Vineyard, Utah. When we lose ourselves in worldly distractions, we lose our value, purpose, and our passion in exchange for temporal experiences. But Jesus says that whoever would lose their life for his sake will find it. Let's learn what it means to lose yourself with Dr. Mike. Welcome to the Lose Yourself podcast. I'm Pastor Mike Cunningham. Friends, are you feeling burned out, concerned, unfulfilled, or feel like life is one pointless treadmill? I've got good news. There is more to life in all four accounts of Christ's life and ministry. It says, for whoever will save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. That means that sometimes when we lose ourselves in worldly distractions, we lose our value, our purpose, and our passion in exchange for temporal experiences. We plug worldly things into a void that only God can fill. When we align our identity, passions, and abilities with God's teaching and purposes, we see Him fulfill our potential, restore our value, and satisfy our passion. We go from expendable, flawed, hopeless, spiritual orphans to valued sons and daughters of God. The essence of Lose Yourself is to get out of our own way and experience the grace and purpose that can only come from Jesus Christ. In short, Lose Yourself is a call to discipleship. Today, we have a special guest to help us understand what that even means and what does that look like. Joining me today is Ben Neiser, who's pastor of Mosaic Church in Provo. He also serves in collegiate ministry, meeting the needs of people at a crucial juncture in their life. He also describes himself as a Christian, husband, father of two girls, creative writer, collaborator of faith, art, and community. Please join me in welcoming Ben Nyser. Welcome Ben, thanks for joining me today. Great to be here, Mike. Thanks for having me. Good. Well, you know, Ben, you and I have experienced that people come to church for a lot of different reasons. Some stick, some don't. One of the jobs that's hard when you're in leadership is to meet people's spiritual needs, create an environment where they want to do this for the rest of their life, but also start them on a journey of faith. And I think a lot of times when people come into church, when they don't stick, sometimes it's because maybe they have a different notion about what church is all about. Have you found that to be true?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think with anything, when we're dealing with life transformation kinds of decisions, the level in which you commit to it, you're going to get back from it. Right. In some equitable way. So like if, if I if I decide that my New Year's resolution, like a lot of people's, is to go to the gym and work out. And then I go to the gym once a week, right? And maybe change a little bit of my diet, you know, like one meal a day, but (laughs) then I'm eating like a pig and I'm snacking constantly and I'm only working out really hard like once a week. Well, there's not really going to be much of a transformation that's going to happen to my body, right? And so I think a lot of people have an assumption about church. I'm going to go, I'm going to start going to church that that's a one day a week, couple hour a week commitment, That's going to lead to some form of life transformation. And that's quite frankly, not the case, right? We're talking about a worldview. We're talking about a a, a set of, of propositional truths that then transform everything that we do in our life, our work, our relationships, our family dynamics, our financial dynamics, those kinds of things. And so it's a fully orbed thing. It's not just something that we go to. It's something that we are becoming, right and so it's a lot more involved but i think that's where the misconception is uh, about church or about getting involved in church is that oh it's we'll start going and it's this it's a location and it's a couple hours and then we go home and we just do everything else that we normally do we just have given up a little bit more sleep on sunday right we don't catch the the nfl pregame we just get about 15 minutes into the first quarter you that's know or DVR's the r's 4 right right <laughs> but but yeah, it's 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 much more than that when we're talking about what Christianity is and what it calls us to. Yeah. Do
0: you find that, I mean, in my lifetime, I think there's almost been this shift to where it was like a self-help, kind of a get you means to an end. I'm going to come to church because I have a problem I can't shake. There's a goal that I'm trying to reach. There's someone I'm trying to date. And I find that we had a, a, some traffic from that where people kind of came in and either they A... Accomplished their goal and said, well, thank you very much and went on their way or that stuff didn't materialize and they left dejected feeling like they didn't get what they thought they were going to get out of it.
1: Sure. When when we approach biblical Christianity from a from a standpoint of, well. The reason why I go is it, it helps me become a better person or it's really teaching my children good morality, you know, types of issues. And I've met a lot of people that are like that. The, the reality of why that doesn't really work and leaves you dissatisfied is because there's something so, so much deeper that biblical Christianity properly proclaimed and taught from God's word in the Bible that is more transformative. And I'm going to keep using that word a lot today because that's really what Biblical Christianity is trying to do. It's not trying to bring bad people and make them good. It's trying to bring dead people to life. Right. right? And so I think the most common misconception about church or about Christianity is it's going to make me a better person. It's going to make my children better people. And so that's probably why you would leave a little bit dissatisfied, because if a pastor or a church is really doing its job, you're going to come in with one issue. Well, our our marriage is in shambles. Mm. You know, help us fix our marriage. My my kids are rebellious. Help me fix my kids. And what you're going to realize is, is that there's something so much deeper than that. Just that external behavior modification that needs to happen. There's a heart condition that needs to change, and that's a lifetime of change. And that's really a transformative change that needs to to happen in that individual or in that
0: family. That's great. Discipleship is the heartbeat of the Lose Yourself podcast. And that is a lifetime journey that is not about one single issue or one single thing. It's about growing in our faith mm-hmm. and chasing hard after Jesus and having him transform our life. You used a lot of those words in our conversation so far. And so Ben wrote a really great blog post in August. He wrote a great blog post called Teacher or Translator, an analogy of discipleship. And we're going to take a quick moment and talk about that blog post and just talk about how that reflects your attitude towards discipleship. So my question, you had a quote there says, much like evangelism, discipleship for some is uncharted territory where at least less familiar waters. What do you mean by that?
1: Well, what I, there's a difference between knowing what I should say and actually doing it. And so what I mean by uncharted territory in evangelism, most people that are committed Christians, they know the gospel. If, if you were to say, hey, tell me what the gospel is, they would be able to articulate it. But if I said, now go share the gospel with an unbeliever, they go, I don't know how to do that. <laughs> you know. And with discipleship, there's a lot of similar kinds of of recoiling by Christians, whether or not they should be in a discipleship relationship where they're being discipled or they should take on somebody in their life that's younger in the faith than them to disciple, to mentor. And so, again, a lot of people could explain their faith. They could explain you know some of the difficult seasons of their faith and how God has brought them through that and, and give testimony of, of different ways in which God has shown his faithfulness. But if I said, now, here's what I want you to do then. I want you to take all those life experiences. I want you to take your understanding of God's word. I want you to take everything that's been happening in your life. And now I want you to go share that with someone younger in the faith than you. And I want you to help them through and walk through their life. Just like, just like God's done. And they go, I don't know how to do that. Right. But they can, they can articulate what God's done for them. But for somehow some some way it gets lost in translation of like how they're then to pour into somebody else or they understand, hey, I don't have it all together. I need somebody to mentor me, but I don't know where to begin with that. What should I expect from that kind of relationship? What person in the in the Bible might be the best example for us? What are some of the principles found in scripture for me to be able to look at? and go, that's a good discipleship relationship. That's what it ought to look like in the church today. Most of the people that I talk to, they're committed Christians. And I've said, I've asked them, have you ever been discipled? Most of them will go, I I think so. Yeah. And I go, well, what do you mean by that? And they'll go, well, I had a youth pastor. Or I had a an older lady in the church, a, an older man in the church. And well, just whenever I was going through something difficult, I call them up and they'd go have lunch with me. They'd, they'd pray with me over the phone or whatever. They, they'd invite me over for dinner and we'd talk about it. But see, that's one side of discipleship, right? That's the side that says, "Why well, I only call you when something's going bad, <laughs> when something's going wrong, right? That's not really doing life with, with that person because life is ups and downs, highs and lows, right? And so... There's a lot of stories of what I would call incomplete discipleship that happens for a lot of people. And so, again, they just don't there's not a clear
0: model for most people of what discipleship is. It's very interesting. I know pastors who might feel that way, like they went to seminary to get discipled Mm -hmm. because there just was nobody in their life. That they could find that could bring them further along and invest And again like you said do life together we tend to think of someone's going to disciple me they're going to look like moses and be perfect and constantly give me great truths and the fact of the matter is that doesn't have to be the standard what's interesting is we have this iconic verse the great commission matthew 28 mm-hmm. says make disciples of all nations which is quoted a lot in evangelism and it's quoted a lot in discipleship but when it says disciple we, and we read about the disciples But it's so funny if you go to most people and you say discipleship or are you a disciple or what is a disciple? I think a lot of people who've been gone to church for a long time would be hard pressed to give you a real definition. Right. Yeah. It's it's a wet bar of soap. (laughs) Right. Right? I mean, just it's going
1: to the harder you try to grab a hold of what that that concept is, it just keeps slipping out of your hands. And when I think about. Disciple, we could also kind of equate that to follower. But one thing I would say, just on the practical side of things, going back to the, the analogy of <laughs> uh, of the gym, mm-hmm. is that whenever we decide to make a transformative life decision, the most important step is the one that we tend to gloss over the most, which is this: you got to start forming healthy habits. You got to know that within the first couple of months, this is going to be awful. Yeah. It's going to be hard. It's going to be awkward. It's going to be sore. It's going to
0: hurt. And I'm talking about discipleship. Right. I'm not talking about the gym anymore. And and, and isn't it, it funny that like we usually at church sometimes paint the absolute opposite picture someone comes to faith or they join the church and say, all your life problems are over. Welcome aboard. And right. And, and you're trying to tell me that that's not the path no. of the discipleship. Right. And so really the beginning
1: stages of, of creating a disciple or a follower of Christ is building in healthy rhythms and healthy habits, spiritual disciplines, right? Reading the scripture, praying and communing with the Lord, being around God's people on a regular basis, right? These are, these are the things that create those those healthy rhythms that then lead to long-term fruit of discipleship, fruit of the spirit, right? But again, if you're if you're only engaging with God's word on Sunday morning during the 2 hours that you know that you're at church, that's not enough, right? If you're only praying, you know, when the worship leader at your church says, "Let's pray," or your pastor says, "Let's pray," or right before a meal real quick, right? It's not enough. We we got to develop healthy habits first. But most people like that's that's the hardest part that they think is going to be the easiest thing. But it never is. Right. Right. You know, go to the rec center and, and just start jumping in and getting the heavy plates on there and tell me how you feel tomorrow. Are you going to want to go to the gym tomorrow <laughs> after you do that. No, no,
0: you're going to be hurting. Right. So it takes some time to develop those healthy habits. What's interesting is you said, wait, that means that puts some responsibility on the person who wants to be discipled. I think a lot of times we look at going to a discipleship relationship. Oh, this person's going to fix all my problems. They're going to be my counselor, my mentor, my coach. I mean, you know, counseling is what you do when you're trying to get past a terrible life event. Mentoring is what you do when you try to learn a trade or a craft. It's not that. A, a discipleship relationship is one where, like you said earlier, you're kind of doing life together. And it's not all on the or to lead the person where they need to go. Correct. I think it's always clear. Golden rule, in my opinion, when it comes to
1: relationships, period, is setting clear expectations, knowing what we are to expect from one another in this relationship. And so when we think about the discipler and the disciplee, what I always do when I sit down with the person that I'm going to begin a discipleship relationship with, I am abundantly clear on what this isn't and what this is going to be so that they don't have extra biblical expectations placed on me as their mentor, as their discipler, that it's not scriptural, right? That's not every, you know, Sally, Joe, or Bill in the church that has a heart to to disciple a younger believer is uh, qualified as a counselor. Right. And so we shouldn't put those kinds of expectations on somebody for them to disciple you. But they
0: can effectively disciple you without being your licensed counselor. We're out of time, but we'll pick up this conversation on our next episode. This has been Lose Yourself. For more information about Mike and his ministry, check out his blog at LoserSelf.life. Until next time, make it your ambition to lose yourself to Christ. Lose Yourself is a ministry of Grace Church and Mike Cunningham and a production of Key Radio.